Nice. <laughs> so, welcome to another edition of Seven Days to Rock and Stone Guardians. Rock uh, and Stone, Kevin. Uh, and we're doing a uh, fanspiracy theory today. It's the middle of the day. It's kind of weird. Usually we do these at night. Yeah. I had a day off. You've got some time away from the baby. Today is another fanspiracy theory. It's about Toy Story. Ooh. You were mentioning something about Woody, some sort of parody from a video game. Yeah, there's um a really niche video game from like uh I think it's PlayStation Two area called Ill Bleed. There's a, a long level um where the character is turned into a parody of Woody. Uh, it looks just like him if he was dressed like Indiana Jones. And I forget the name they had for him, but it was uh, some sort of take on Indiana Jones. Um, but it's a kind of a twisted video game, so it's it's very not child-friendly. You know what you can wasn't watch really... I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, what's not child-friendly is this... Is it our podcast? Uh, yeah, definitely not our, <laughs> our podcast. The, video, the original video game for Toy Story played it on uh, Sega Genesis. That was Yeah, there were a couple games. That game was much more complicated for children than it needed to be. I feel like no, I I think the only Toy Story related game I played is the level you play in one of the Kingdom Hearts games. Interesting. Well, I thought uh I thought since we're doing movies and television, I should bring out some fun facts that people uh won't believe that are true about movies. Oh. I'm going to throw a few out there and see if uh, you've heard of any of them. Go from there. Yeah, let's, let's hit this galaxy brain. Alrighty. So, um, apparently the code in the Matrix comes from sushi recipes. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. The green symbols trailing down in the Matrix aren't complicated algorithms, but a production designer scanned the symbols from his wife's sushi cookbooks and manipulated them to create the iconic code. That's so interesting. I never heard that one before. That's wow. a good one. Yeah. I'll probably do about five or so. So let's do another one here. The sketch in Titanic. Mm-hmm. The charcoal sketch that he does of Rose while yeah. she's completely in the nude was actually done by James Cameron. Okay. Okay. Didn't realize he was also an artist on top of a filmmaker. So that was pretty interesting. Artiste. Yeah. Uh, let's do another one here. Um, Pulp yeah. Fiction. That's Pulp Fiction. This is a good one. So Pulp Fiction, The uh, one of their famous scenes from that movie was actually filmed in reverse. I'm going to ask see if you can guess which one. Oh, oh no. I know this one. I, I've heard this one before. Oh, God. It's filmed in reverse. Um... Is it the part where he opens the case? Well, I mean, it was all opened multiple times, which are we talking like about? Like the last one. The last one. Was it John Travolta opening the case? Yes. Oh, after the whole shooting and, and breakfast scene? Yes. No, that was not shot in reverse. Uh... It was, in fact, when she was overdosing, instead of putting the needle in, he was actually pulling it out. And then they just flipped it around, put it in reverse. Okay. That's a novel way to approach that. That's probably the best way to approach that. You just have a spring-loaded uh, needle, and you pull it out. 
or you don't even have a needle on it to begin with. You just have two cameras, two camera angles going at the same time. And then when he actually pulls it out, you pause and then have the uh, the one with the needle come in. I'll have to rewatch that because I honestly, it, it looks, I mean, it's not that long of a scene, but to be shot in reverse, it's, you might notice it, maybe. That's yeah, a good one. Yeah, I feel one. like you would uh, be able to tell in some way like the way the hand moves or something. Here's one that you probably have heard. I think I've heard this one before. There's a Starbucks cup in every Fight Club scene. <laughs> I have heard that one, yeah. It is crazy. You know, yeah. there's also a Starbucks cup in every Game of Thrones scene. <laughs> <laughs> I in got him. In the last season, at least. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of Game of Thrones, did you watch House of the Dragon? I keep forgetting to. It was very good. Very, very good. It makes me want to go out and buy I mean, I'm excited for bread. it. For uh, Matt Smith. He did course. a good job as uh, Damon Targaryen. I see what I see where the tension is coming from. Uh, for those who are unaware of what the House of the Dragon is going to be based on, it's going to be based on the um, novel Fire and Blood, which is about the Targaryen Civil War um, some 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones take place, uh, which they go over at the very beginning of the episode. They basically have like a little title uh, title screen that says, 172 years before Daenerys Targaryen drove her dragons to destroy King's Landing, this happened. The Targaryens were in power, and they had massive dragons. So... This is um, a little over a century since the Targaryens took over Westeros. They're at the height of their power, the height of peace in Westeros. And um, basically, one, uh, the king lost both of his sons, so there was a, a conflict about who would become the next uh, Targaryen in power. So there was a question of lineage. And the two people who were up were the closest living relatives. I can't remember the woman's name or the guy's name, because they're all so weird. I think the guy's name is Eris, maybe? I don't know. Okay. Anyway, they were cousins, essentially, of the original heirs to the throne. So they brought forth thousands of lords to come and vote on which one they think should take over. So that it wasn't his decision and it would be left up to the lords of the land. So that's like the first 10 minutes of the of the episode where they go over and explain all that. So essentially it was, and now the king, current one, only has a daughter, Rhaenyra Targaryen. And he's hoping that the next child he has is going to be a son so that he can have an obvious heir instead of a heir apparent. So, that's pretty much where, where it starts off. So you can see there's some tension already between cousins about who should have been the person in charge. And now with the fact that he has no heir, it would fall to the next um, oldest in the king's line, which would be his brother, Damon Targaryen, or Matt Smith's character. And he's kind of a fuck-up. Like, he's, he, he doesn't care about ruling. He's more of a fuck-off kind of guy. Does his own thing. 
So it's really yeah. good. So it's, uh, I would watch it if you haven't. Find a way to watch it. Maybe wait until the all the episodes have been played and then just get a seven-day trial from HBO Max or something. I don't know. You didn't I got that. HBO Max through my uh, phone plan. So nice. you, if you have AT&T, you can get HBO Max uh, for free. Nice. I have the Disney bundle for my phone plan. Nice. Which isn't too bad. All right, so let's, uh, let's so those are some interesting things. I was going to say one more, one more. Ba, 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 there ba, we go. R2-T2 and C-3PO appear in Indiana Jones. I've heard this one, but I don't think I was actually able to find them when I looked. I've seen them because I knew what I was looking for. It was the um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You'll notice in the hieroglyphics that it's C-3PO and R2-D2. Whenever he's in a, in a room with that. hieroglyphics, there's a, he's opening up a, a stone thing, and then there is a, uh, a pole right next to him, and right in the middle of the pole is, I think, yeah, C-3PO and R2-D2. Cool facts. Thought that would be a new thing. Now we're going to go over some Toy Story shit. Mm. Toy Story... So, oh my god, Toy Story is almost 30 years old. Uh, I know, it's... Let's it see, 1990, was it 1995, right? 1995? Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, 1995, the original Toy Story came out. Oh man, what a, what a time. Let's see what was going on in 1995 at the time the Toy Story came out. Do, 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 do. Toy Story original release date now November 22nd 1995 wow wow it was the first feature length film created entirely by CGI directed by John mm -hmm. Lasseter it's funny when you go back and you actually watch the CGI on it you can definitely tell you can definitely tell yeah, I mean, but for the time, like, that was, like, oh. completely revolutionary. Uh, that was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. So here are some historical events in uh, November of 1995. Oh, yes. Golden Eye. Uh, that's Gen probably... What's up? One of my top movies of all time. Golden Eye? Yeah. Hmm. Fair enough. Also, you get to see uh, Sean Bean die. I'm like, again? Again. For the 30th time. Ireland votes to end a 58-year-old amendment on divorce. Nothing really interesting. Dolphins QB Dan Marino sets NFL record with his 343rd touchdown pass. Oh, Dan Marino. And uh, I, I have to say about uh, that time frame, uh, I really enjoyed Ace Ventura when it came out, but it has not aged well. The joke at the end is definitely not aged uh, right. well. No. Although when you, I'm not going to defend it, but I get the joke. It's it was another one of those things that like wasn't. I don't properly. Um, like, it, it it was stuff that was just starting to be like talked about seriously. It's not that it's not that the dude is the guy wants to become a woman. He's a guy who went into hiding as a woman, as I recall. Um, yeah. 
that's, I mean, the, it that was kind the of reason weird the way they did it. That's the reason. So it's not like, I guess, if it were a real dude doing that, I, I wouldn't feel so bad about the joke. That's kind of why I don't think it's that bad. However, I understand why people would be offended by it. Yeah, I mean, it certainly hasn't aged well. Sensitive, I think. Yeah, it certainly hasn't aged well. I, yeah, I, the foundation of the joke is is built upon the fact that everyone's uncomfortable around someone of uh, transgender or something like that, or this or that. You know, transgender slash trans um, transvestite, transvestite, transgender. At the time, the foundation of the joke is based upon everyone's uncomfortability with it. Yes, it's insensitive, but you got to take it with the time period. Nobody really got it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not here to be political or uh, correct about anything. We're just here talking. Alrighty, let's go into some some theories about Toy Story. Just lighten the mood here. Some of these are kind of yeah. dark, but let's lighten the mood. Um, let's lighten the mood by darkening it significantly. So... Uh, I'm only going to go over a couple of the ones, only because some of them are, are I, in my opinion, not not foundationally sound. Uh, some of them are interesting. I may just, just mention them, but I won't really deep dive into them at all. And, uh, yeah. So let's start with... Here we go. God, stop freaking out on me. <laughs> um... Let's start with the first one. Andy's dad is dead. I know, really tough note to start on. So Andy's dad is dead. This uh, theory um, starts with obviously a character that we never saw in the movies. Yeah, I don't think he's even in the first one at all. I don't think he is. I don't recall him at all. I only remember that Andy's mom was a character that we saw. Andy's dad's never present. He's never mentioned. And uh, there's a couple of fans out there who have come up with some theories as to why. Uh, and we're going to start with a Reddit user by the name of Just a Typical Ginger. Is this you, nice. Ryan? Is this um, your Reddit username? I tend to avoid outing myself as a ginger. It's so. too late. I've already done it. I know. <laughs> you bastard. Um, so let's go straight to that theory. Just Typical Ginger. A Reddit post in our fan theories uh, nine years ago says, uh, and I quote, having read the theories speculating that Andy's parents are divorced, and this is why we've never seen him. My theory, however, is that Andy's father is actually dead. Uh, I'm led to think this way because Andy has clearly attached himself to Woody and Buzz in all of his play scenes. They are clearly strong adult male figures, and one could call them almost fatherly. This could imply that Andy is missing a father figure in his life, and this is why these are his favorite toys. This being said, it really doesn't answer the question of why there are no photos of Andy's dad anywhere in the house. Although we don't really see much of the house other than Andy's room, really. And a few outside scenes and a few hallway scenes. Having speculated about that, that kind of makes sense. I, I think it actually does make sen- uh, answer the question of why there are no photos of Andy's dad. Because why would the mother want to be reminded that her husband died on a daily basis, except for in her room? 
and we've never right. seen Andy's mom's room. A personal place. Yeah, so I think I, I think this just a typical ginger has actually answered their own question without actually realizing they answered their own question. We have to remember too, like not everybody, like is going to have like super positive memories of those people. Uh, he so might have like been abusive it, for all we freaking know, and that's yeah, why he, he, they got no pictures. He's been a house. huge bastard. Yeah, we have no idea, no idea. Although if he had been abusive, he probably would have ended up closer to Sid. Uh, as opposed to Andy. Uh, and we'll actually get into that. There's a fan theory about his uh, Sid's father. But I'm skipping okay. ahead. Yeah. Um, actually, it's interesting. There was another Reddit user who answered this theory with their own theory of what was going on. Uh, in this case, the Reddit user, Eat Books, that's it, uh, came up. Eat Books. Eat, eat Books. E-A-T. Nice books okay uh, commented upon this theory with one of their own uh woody and buzz both being toys that can symbolize father figures what if buzz's story in the first film is actually a metaphor for a child coming to terms with his mother remarrying let's deep dive into this one so here's the here's the response from eat books on reddit uh i figured the first toy story movie was a metaphor for andy's mother remarrying Maybe even the actual story is filtered through Andy's playtime, in quotations. Woody represents his biological father. Someone sturdy, visualized as a roaming cowboy. Are they but, saying sturdy because his name is Woody? Yeah, maybe. We're pretty sure that Andy or Andy has configured the names for his toys after his own mother's. That's the theory I want to be true. Get it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so buzz represents andy's stepfather the shiny cool new dad one that makes woody seem dangerously out of date uh and the movie about his jealousy and the way he feels is actually his i'm sorry i'm reading the theory and this guy doesn't speak english very well i imagine the movie is about his jealousy and the way he feels his son is stolen from him they fight over this so in the movie's third act Sid becomes a metaphor for the destructive force Andy could potentially turn into if neither father was in his life. With this in mind, Woody and Buzz agree to stop fighting and eventually become friends, helping Andy adjust to his new life after he moves. This would make the second Toy Story movie about Woody given the choice to move away from his son, where he could get a job as a valuable collector's item. He's convinced by Buzz and their friends to stay, however, and continue to help raise Andy third movie makes the metaphor as explicit as it gets. We literally watch Andy's mother struggle with sending him to college. Like the toys, she's watching Andy move into a new stage of his life where he no longer relies on her. She has to contend with herself with the fact she tried to raise him the best she could. Buzz and Woody come to terms with this too and they literally have to learn to let go. Some of that didn't make sense towards the end, in my opinion. But I get where he's coming from. Both stepfather, both the father and the stepfather, um, are sort of fighting over the little one uh, for his affection. Okay. The father is trying to stay in there as best he can, like Woody, but uh, obviously the shiny new stepfather is seems. I mean, the emotion there is actually coming from this from the father, not so much from the from Andy. So I don't know how Andy would interpret that during his playtime or 
how he would even be able to base those emotions since he never had anything like that happen before. I don't know. What do you think on that one? Uh, I mean... A lot to unwrap there. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really a lot to unwrap. So, yeah. So, like, uh, from, like, educational standpoint, you do learn that kids take their frustrations out through play and if they're imposing these personalities on the toys that is definitely something that happens so i i I can see it i mean it turns a a fun toy movie into something depressing but uh i mean these toys are his emotional uh, stability yeah i mean i don't i don't disagree with it i think it's crazy personally to think that um this is this is uh andy's narration of what's going on i think it's his i mean if we're talking about intent i would say that based on the movie uh that that's not true because he seems to be well balanced and uh you know standard kid I guess what this what, like the whole movie. What this Reddit user really has uh, stumbled upon here is that this is a good movie to teach children who are going through divorce what's happening in the event that one of those parents decides to move on to somebody new. This would actually be a very easy way for them to digest it, at least yeah. for five and up. Children below five wouldn't have a goddamn clue what's going on no i think that's probably a good thing that means the well, emotional I mean, trauma like won't really be there kind of put in there as like a, a sub thought because like you know how they put um adult concepts into movies for the parents who are watching because you know like you know i was i was listening to uh pod meets world the other day mm-hmm. um, and they had that exact discussion they said that 90s 90s and early 2000s television used to do that a lot leave these little tiny specks of interesting material for the adults so that it would be a family time show instead of right. just a kids show and, and it and seems like think about the it seems like it hasn't been happening very lately uh yeah it's, it's definitely less Depending on, I think it's um, happening in reverse. To tell you the truth, what's what's really happening is that there are these cartoons, quote unquote, that seem like they're kids' shows, but they're really adult shows with really adult things happening in them. Seems like that's what's happening more often with cartoons Um, nowadays. Yes, I would agree with that. Uh, My example for that is a show called Regular Show. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like it's it's fun, it's wacky. They've got like they go to outer space, you know, and and really weird things happen. But like the some of the topics are like very adult. So a lot of what they talk about is like you know, they're broke. Uh they can't pay for things, which is like, you know, hits hits home pretty pretty hard as an adult. Uh yes. Um especially nowadays. Oh yeah. Uh, there's, there's, there's so many things to talk about, but that's, I guess, my my best example from that uh, yeah. type of concept. I want to say that the last c- c- cartoon that I can think of that's done 
what those early uh, 90s television and early 2000s did is Spongebob. Oh, yeah. Spongebob is really good at it, too. They would make things fun and exciting for the kids, but at the same time, they would make humorous adult jokes that would keep the parents engaged. And we, me having been part of the generation that grew up with Spongebob when I was a kid when it started, and now I'm an adult when it finally ended, if it has ended, I'm not really certain on that fact. Kind of feels like it did, but I don't know. It's It was fun the whole way through. And even watching the original, it's now fun to go back and sit there and be like, oh my god, he made that joke and I never even got it when I was a kid the mm-hmm. first time around. They need to make television more like that. But uh, yeah, that's that's the, so there's a, there's a theory that they, he she's divorced, which makes sense because at the end of uh, Toy Story, they were actually moving. So yep. she was possibly moving out of that house either to get away from the father, if he was still there, or to um, get away from bad memories if he was dead. Or Don't just I, be able to afford Or to, to be live. able to afford to live. Because it seemed like it was a large, probably close to 2,000 square foot house. Oh, so, yeah. Easily. Uh, yeah. Easily a 2,000 square foot house with a nice living room and all that jazz. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That, it, you know, I can see either way going with that theory, personally. Let's go to another one. Let's go to another one. Let's do another one. Let's do Let's, another one, man. Let's do another one. Uh, this one I particularly like is that Sid's dad is an alcoholic. Um, uh, yeah, I would say that's likely based on the very limited stuff we saw. I mean, what we did see was that there were um, cans of beer next to his chair in his living room where he was watching television. Which is he's also passed out in like the middle of the day, yeah, passed out in the middle of the day, letting his kid run wild to do whatever the hell he feels like, and it kind of explains a few things, especially if he was abusive. That would explain why Sid is taking it out on all of his toys. But let's go, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's read from the uh, user Chili Powder. Who, uh, who wrote on our fan theories under uh, seven years ago. So this one's pretty dark, but I think Sid's dad is an alcoholic and is abusive to at least Sid and Scud, which I forgot was a character at all. Um, I'm sorry, what's Scud? Scud was Sid's dog. I forgot he had a dog. I completely it's okay if you forgot completely... that, and I can't even picture it. Uh, I don't even remember what the dog looks like, to tell you the truth, but Bull Terrier. Type of dog. And it looks like uh, Spuds McKenzie. Spuds McKenzie. Yeah, a little bit. Scuds McKenzie, yes. Good. So, uh, why else would Sid put so many locks on his doors? Also, when Buzz Lightyear commercial comes on, you can see him sleeping on the recliner surrounded by beer cans, which we just mentioned. And when Scud sees him, he stops looking for Buzz and leaves, presumably because um, he doesn't want to be the um, victim of his alcoholic, abusive fathers, you know, shit. Yeah. Um, this would also help explain why Sid is very violent to his toys. Uh, and then there was actually a nice little response from uh, true final boss, Coney420. Make things works, he becomes the only human alive to be aware that every toy is sentient 
and realizes that what he was doing to merely vent frustration was harming these live toys. He becomes a trash man to save every toy he can and find redemption for the pain he inflicted in his youth. We okay. need the to- we need the Toy Story. Hashtag Toy Story Redemption Story of Sid. Are they claiming the that Sid is the, the garbage man from Toy Story 3? Uh, I'm fairly confident that he is the garbage. There's no way he would be old enough because he's supposed to be the same age as Andy. He looks the same age. Yeah. And Andy is... Just like, about to go off to college, so he's 18, yeah. 19 years old, somewhere in there. Which would make Sid, who probably was a high school dropout, 18, 19 years old, don't think you need a GED to work for... Uh, no, but I don't remember seeing the the garbage man, but I don't recall him looking young. He looked really young. Sid the garbage man. Let's look it up. Do, do, do. Yeah, he's got a little beard. He's got weird hair. He looks pretty young. Here, I'm going to post it in the in the Discord so that you can see it. Now, to be fair, it's completely based on the fact that they have the same shirt, which means almost nothing, because we have no idea what that shirt symbolizes. For all we now know, that's Dead Mouse in the uh, Toy Story universe. You know, Dead Mouse right. has got the just the, the mouse, basically. Yeah. That could, could be something like that. Um, but that was a lot interesting for um, Sid. I guess that's also a nut- this whole this whole movie. I think what we're coming to find out is this whole movie is probably a fantastic way to teach children how to deal with certain emotional uh, traumas. Uh, one divorce. We've gone over that. Maybe possibly the death of a parent. Also a good one to go over. Mm-hmm. Um, and possibly the fact that one of your uh, adults is an abusive alcoholic and how you should um, how you should approach that instead of destroying your toys uh, because they're probably alive and feel things which they aren't but we're going to go there because <laughs> your toys are sentient and they're going to kill you <laughs> and they're going to kill you in your sleep uh, but to talk it out instead because that's what the toys do at the end they talk it out with them so that's very interesting. I think Toy Story, all in all, is a fantastic movie. What about you? I enjoy it. Wow. You're the worst. What, because I enjoy it? No. No, you're the worst. Okay. All right. Here's another one, you giant cracker. Like uh, salted or? Oh, my God. Yeah, here, you freaking ginger. <laughs> All right, so uh, this one is from Primetime22, six years ago posted on fan theories about Toy Story, that Mr. Potato Head is not a singular personality, but multiple appendages being led by one mouth. Can you say that again? Yes. So he is not a singular personality, but multiple appendages that are being led by a single mouth. I don't know how the mouth is the real control of what's going on. So, anyway, in Toy Story 3, we learn a little bit about how the potato head works. His appendages all move by themselves, while his body, in quotations, is just a means for them to work together. 
Um, so if the body isn't part of him, where is his brain? I don't know, but this is making me so uncomfortable. Uh, the dude's theory, <laughs> this, this, guy's, this guy or girl's theory is that all of his parts move and think independently, but they all take the lead of the one barking orders, his mouth. And in a way, that's pretty appropriate for Mr. Potato Head. He thinks with his mouth. Um, in Toy Story 2, he packs a pair of angry eyes. It may not be just what they look like. They could also have a far more aggressive personality. That's just so much to unpack right there. <laughs> I both love and hate people's ability to want to dissect every tiny little thing about the world. Let's think about this one for a <laughs> second here. I think he's partially correct. I don't think that the potato body is anything more than just another appendage. But I believe... Oh, it's so hard to say that it's that's the eyes and the mouth. Maybe he's right. Holy shit. It's the only one that you could uh, you could offer any sort of semblance of sentience there. That's real dark. <laughs> That's very dark. We'll just think about think about how easy it would be for him to get away with doing the stranger to himself. Thanks, Kev. The stranger for non boys and girls and adult types. Uh, is when you put your hand underneath your ass and sit on it for about 20 minutes until it falls asleep, and then you attempt to, um, you know, whack it. So it feels like someone else is doing it because you can't feel yourself. I don't know where you heard that one, but I heard that from Mallrats. Urban Dictionary. Nice. I hear a lot of things from Urban Dictionary. A lot of weird, weird, disturbing things. So, So everything that Mr. Potato Head is. Oh my God! Think about how disturbing. What happens if he's partially right, and that everything that Mr. Potato Head has is not actually his? That oh, you know what? That wouldn't make any sense because the eyes. He can he can see through the eyes. Remember when they were using yeah. the eye as like an independent he, he telescope? He can hold the eye and see through the eye as he's holding it. Interesting. Well, let's... What, what happens if... Um, what happens if... At some point, some of his appendages were swapped for a different potato head? Would he see? Well, I'm not talking about the eyes. Eye? I'm talking like the ears or something. Well, yeah. Like, wouldn't, all of a sudden, hear? he hears... He hears something from... Like, he's got voices in his head. Oh my god, Mr. Potato Head the psychopath with voices in his head because his one of his ears is far fucking away from himself. Wow. Holy crap. And then what about his hands? What happens if one of his hands isn't really his? <laughs> or his nose. Oh my god, so many possibilities. That mustache has been mustache road somewhere else. Alright. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Oh, what an existence. 
existence truly Sublime. is pain for a potato head. Oh, it's sublime. That's that's the word you're looking for. That's so dark, and I love it's... every minute about it. Um, Jesus. All right, let's not. Let's move God, on. Why? Let's move on. Let's move on. I'll go to the next one, the last one. Um, right. This one I've heard before, and I kind of want to, to talk about it. Uh, the one that Jesse once belonged to Andy's mom. Uh, yeah, I've heard that one. This is probably the most popular one that I've heard. Um, let's see here. So, a user, uh, Beryllium Extract, seven years ago, posted on our fan theories under the Toy Story tag. Um, and I'm just going to read what, what they wrote. Uh, because Pixar is sustained by the emotional turmoil of its audience, fantastic, one heartbreaking subplot of Toy Story 2 was never resolved. Jessie is introduced in the movie as a jaded cowgirl with a fear of abandonment. Her old owner, Emily, had neglected her for years before tossing her into the donation bin. Though Jessie learns to trust again and is happy to become Andy's toy, she never gets any real closure. Emily is still out there somewhere, and Jessie probably has all sorts of questions for her. Does she still remember her old cowgirl doll? Did she regret giving Jesse away? Are all the toys in Toy Story manufactured with souls, or are they possessed by ghosts? What's the deal there? I don't know why that was part of this. That's a whole other thing, man. That's completely separate. The answers for the first two are explained in the movies, but they won't exactly make you feel better. Uh, the compelling theory that claims Emily is actually Andy's mom, all grown up, it's bolstered by the short glimpse we get of Emily. The hair is a little bit lighter, but otherwise they definitely look very similar. Maybe more convincing is Andy's old red hat. Looks like a larger version of Jesse's as opposed to Woody's hat. Uh, so maybe yeah, the but hat... that could be just a product made from that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It could just be a hand-me-down from Andy's mom. Um, could be, could be. So... Just at the hat that they sell for that brand. Yeah, but why? Toy line. Why does this matter? Well, we know that Andy's mom has seen Jesse at one point or another, but we never see her react with nostalgia or even recognition. This is as opposed to Andy, who still has a lot of affection for Woody and Buzz as he goes off for college. Point being, Emily doesn't remember Jesse like Jesse remembers Emily. She was beloved toy for brief period, but then she was forgotten and left to die like a Tamagotchi entombed in its own digital shit. <laughs> that was it. This, this person should write stories. That's poetry. Whereas Jesse had a terrible time trying to let go. Emily never gave it a second thought. Imagine you had one incredible evening with the most wonderful person you've ever met, and you thought about them for years, only to discover that they couldn't recall the night at all. That's Emily's relationship with her discarded plaything. It's probably better that Jesse didn't realize who Andy's mom was. The truth would break her. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's that's a lot. What? That's ah. a lot. So what she's saying is that Andy's mom, or they're saying is, is that Andy's mom's kind of a bitch. That doesn't remember <laughs> okay. her old toy. Not once. I, I, you know, I, I could feel, okay. I could, I could live with this theory. 
It's just that when people try, I think what we've learned so far over the first couple of weeks is that these kinds of things turn dark very quickly. And it's because all you listeners out there are sick individuals who post shit like this on the internet because you've got nothing better to do. I think that's what we've established. Uh, I think we've established that humanity in general is just fucked in the head. Internet just made us worse. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Um, but yeah, I could see this. The hat, definitely. The fact that Emily does look a little bit like uh, Andy's mom also helps. Just in. Hat proves. <laughs> Andy's mom banged the toy. What? That was Buzz. Got him. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's the most prominent uh, Toy Story theories that I've got. Uh, a couple of other ones that aren't, aren't really worth mentioning are kind of self-explanatory. Um, would he possibly belong to Andy's dad, or Andy's dad could have been a uh, cop. So... That's an interesting one. Toys are immortal. I mean, yeah, they probably uh, well, are until so, they're destroyed. Okay. Well, we've seen toys that are like partially destroyed. They're still alive and sentient. Oh my so, god! We're getting back to this whole parts and pieces thing of toys. So, do they have to be fully cremated to be? I don't know. Let's think about Hooker for a second here. Which part is sentient of the Hooker? Do you remember the Hooker from the first movie? So yeah, in, yeah. in Sid's, for those who don't, in Sid's uh, room, there was a toy that he had turned from a... So he took a, a Barbie's legs, it looks like. I assume Barbie's legs, because what else? what other toy would it be? And a fishing rod for, like, children or possibly a tabletop game of some sort, and he put them together. Which which part of that is sentient? Is it the legs? Is it the fishing pole? Like, right. if it's the legs, fucking hell, what do you have to do to die? Does the toy have to have a face to be sentient? Uh, I, I guess not, since Hooker... Was not really. Well, but the but the Barbie did have a face. If it was a Barbie, the Barbie had a face at one point. Assuming, yeah. But what about the, what about the um, the hand Jack in the Box? Remember the hand in the inside the Jack in the Box. Which part of that was sentient? Is it the hand? Yeah. What about the? The Jack that was inside of it, the 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 guy that popped out, is it that guy? I don't know what happened what, to that guy. What's left? Uh, what about the car with legs and feet? What about Ducky? That looks like it was made from like a bear doll and a duck. Pez head. Oh my god. I am just like flabbergasted at how disturbing that that whole thing is. Yeah, I have, I have questions that need answers. I have lots of questions. 
Who created Toy Story? We need to send them an email right now. Right. The fuck now. Yeah, let's find out who created Toy Story. And everybody join us in which, you know. Let's see here. Is it John Lasseter? Uh, John Lasseter, Pete Doctor, Andrew Stanton, and Joe Ranft. You know what, John Lasseter? I'm I'm coming for you. How about that name? Wouldn't you just like your name to be Doctor? <laughs> Pete. Not, that's me. I'm Steve Doctor. I'm Pete Doctor. Doctor Doctor. Doctor Doctor. Oh my God! I would become Doctor just for that fact. Doctor. All right. So that's all I got. We did it. We accomplished another one. Right. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, catch us again for some more stuff. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Seven Days to RSG, Facebook at Seven Days to RSG. We hope you enjoy the rest of your week. We wish you seven days to rock and stone, Guardians. Rock and stone, Guardians. Yeah.